Okay, let's go ahead and stand up for the reading of the Word of God. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 20, teaching through verses 4 through 20. And uh, so I'll read the verses, and then we'll uh, just kind of take them one at a time and see what the Lord will speak to us. Revelation 1, 4 through 20, the Word of the Lord. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned, (laughs) I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven gold lampstands and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Right, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this, and as for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 20, the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. <laughs> what does all this mean? <laughs> oh, it's good stuff. Hey, before we get there, I want to just help us with an outline, or the Lord has helped us with an outline of this study in Revelation, the study of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, we're given an outline for this 
full study. It says, right, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this. And so this kind of helps us to outline the whole of the study of the Revelation. The things that you have seen is John's vision of the exalted Christ that we've read about here in chapter one. The things that are Those are the messages to the seven churches in chapters two and three. And the things that are to take place after this, it's the scene in heaven in chapters four and five. It's the tribulation period in chapter six through 19. It's the kingdom of Christ in chapter 20 and the new heavens and the new earth in chapter 21. So that's kind of how we'll break things down as we move forward, as we teach through the revelation. Verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia. And verse 10 lists the seven churches, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. These churches are legitimate churches in John's day, literal places and people that John sends these letters to. Some would say that these churches all also represent kind of the seasons of the church age, but when you read through chapter 2 and 3, you see that what plagues these seven churches is the same kind of stuff that's been plaguing the church, capital C church, down throughout history for the last 2,000 years. Let's take a look at a map and see where these seven churches are. So if you look, you can see that they are in modern-day Turkey. Let me stand over here. There we go. So, and if you look, uh, so that's there in modern-day Turkey, and you can see current cities here in blue, but those seven cities. Let's go to the next map, because in the next map, we see where John is writing from on the island of Patmos. You see that down there on the bottom left? And now you see that the seven churches are listed in order on the map. And so John is writing to these, letter, these letters to these churches, and you can see there's Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamus, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And so that's kind of a picture of what's going on there. John exiled to the island, and he's writing the letters to these churches. I love I love that John is exiled on the island of Patmos when he's doing this most important work. He may have felt put out to pasture, like my work is done, but God is never done as long as you have a pulse. And so no matter what season of life you're in, God has purpose for you in your life. Maybe you feel like because of your circumstances that you've been exiled in some way, like you've been put on the shelf, put on the back burner. I just want to encourage you that that is not what has happened. Maybe your life has not turned out exactly the way in this season that you expected it to, but God in this season will still faithfully speak to you, encourage you, instruct you, and work through you as you just simply do what John did, making himself available to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4 continues, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. So 
We look at verses four and five, and some would say that we see a picture of the Godhead, a picture of the Trinity. The Father is the one who is, who was, and who is to come. And coincidentally, verse eight uses this similar description for the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is described as the one who is and was and who is to come. And then, so that's the Father. Now you see the Spirit represented by the mention of the seven spirits. And uh, we look through Revelation and you see mentioned this terminology over and over again, the seven spirits. In Scripture, seven is the number of perfection, the number of completion. And so we see this number over and over again. Revelation 3.1 says, And to the angel of the church in Sardis, right, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. And so we see it there. And in chapter 4, Revelation 4, 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And then again in chapter 5, Revelation 5, 6, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain and seven horns with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And so there's one Holy Spirit, but those seven spirits are words used to describe the, the work of the Holy Spirit and we see it kind of outlined for us in Isaiah 11.2. It says that in Isaiah 11.2, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, speaking of Jesus, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So you see seven spirits representing the Holy Spirit speaking to his role, his capacity, his ability. He is the spirit of the Lord with wisdom and understanding and counsel and might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You need anything from the Lord, you find it as we pray and as the Holy Spirit speaks wisdom into our lives, speaks understanding into our lives, speaks counsel into our lives, might and knowledge and the fear of the Lord into our lives. And so again, the number seven in scripture is the number of completion and perfection. And again, in four and five gives us the picture of the Trinity, the Father, the Holy Spirit. And in verse five, it says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. So, so verse five is the description of Jesus and it's the threefold office of Jesus. And so we get a picture of the Trinity, but when we're talking about Jesus, we get a picture of the threefold office of Jesus, the Messiah, he is, what are the three words? Prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is our prophet, our priest, and our king. Jesus is prophet in, in that he is the faithful witness. He is communicating in this revelation what is to come. He is prophesying as the prophet, capital P, prophets, to the church what is to come. He is 
the priest, the firstborn of the dead. This does not mean that Jesus was the first to be raised from the dead, but it means he was the highest of those who have been raised from the dead. And so Jesus, as our great high priest, died for our sins, died on the cross, was crucified, buried, and resurrected. He conquered sin and death and the grave. And so it's a picture of his priestly duty and role and responsibility. Prophet, priest, and king. Jesus is prophet, priest, and he is king. The end of verse 5 declares he is the ruler of kings on earth. And so Jesus is just not a king, but he is the king of all kings. He is the Lord of all lords. He is ruler in all ways. So this is a revelation of Jesus Christ given to us by the Godhead through whom we have the possibility of grace and peace. And incidentally, the only possibility of grace and peace. We are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ because, well, if you're anything like me, because you tried everything in the world and there was nothing of grace and peace in the world. There was nothing of grace and peace until we came to know Jesus, who is grace and peace. And so we know that through Jesus and only through Jesus in this life will we have grace and peace. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you're struggling, lacking that in your own life, turn to Jesus. Make Jesus your priority. Ask God to be your source of grace and peace. Often we're run into all kinds of different things, relationships, substance, enjoyment, all kinds of different things that are substitutes, but not the right thing. And it is only through Jesus, through God, that we find grace and peace. Verse 5 continues, to him, Jesus, who loves us and is Freed us from our sins by his blood. Great reminder, right? To Jesus who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, given us a new identity. Do we get it? <laughs> like, like, I feel like we need to get it. Like we've got a brand new identity. We are a part of his kingdom. We have been made priests of God as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's like rescued us, taken us out of the miry clay of, the, of this world and given us a new identity and a new foundation. And we need to live out of that reality. I think we often, too often live out of a completely different reality. We live out of an old man reality that says, oh, I'm this or I'm that. And we don't understand or we don't fully comprehend or grasp our new identity as sons and daughters of the living God. So can I just admonish and encourage us to, and, and exhort us to live differently as people, as the people of God, remembering what Jesus has done to give us a new identity. He's made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, verse 7, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Amen. So this verse 
in verse 7 is speaking about the second advent, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will come on the clouds and every eye will see him. It's different than the rapture. The second coming is different than the rapture. The rapture is different when when Jesus will come like a, a thief in the night and the church will be taken up or raptured, taken up to meet the Lord in the air. Let's read about that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. Are you guys with me? Yeah. I can't tell. Yeah. We're good? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Sometimes I can't tell. Yeah, amen. All right, good. Thanks, Noah, on the front row. Woo! Here we go. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we know that Ravi Puzio, who was a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, she died recently. Her spirit is with the Lord. Her body is wherever her body is. But at the rapture, she will be caught up. The dead in Christ will rise first. And then those who are left, those of us who are still alive, me mostly, because you guys are all (laughs) looking kind of old. Anyway, just making sure there's still life out there. Here we go. So, so uh, uh, Jeremy's father, uh, grandfather-in-law, he knows Jesus. He's going to probably die t- soon. He's going to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. And then when the rapture happens, he'll be taken up. Those who are dead in Christ, those who died believing, their spirit is with the Lord, but their bodies in the grave or wherever they are, they will be caught up. And then the rest of us, We'll join them and meet the Lord in the air. That's the rapture. The dead in Christ will rise first and the rest of us. We're talking here about the second coming, though, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. It's a totally different scene. Let's read about this second coming in Revelation chapter 19. And I, I encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse... The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This is the second coming, right? The second coming, the king comes on a white horse, and the armies of heaven... The saints of God will be coming and riding with him, following him. 
Now, regarding the rapture and the second coming, we teach that they are two separate events, as I've been saying. We teach and believe that the rapture will happen for the church prior to the seven-year tribulation period. So we teach that, we believe that, but this is the reality. Not everybody has that same perspective. And so it's not a divisive issue, or at least it shouldn't be a divisive issue. The reality is, is that we need to be ready no matter what happens, whether we get raptured before the tribulation, after the tribulation, or somewhere in between the tribulation. We need, and this is the title of the message today, we must live ready. Whether we go through the tribulation period or not, we must live ready. Why? Because no matter what we go through in this life, we will experience tribulation. Maybe not the great tribulation, but we will experience difficulty in this life. And so we must live ready. It's not something that we wait on. We don't wait to get ready. We must, in the present tense, right now, live ready as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that look like? Number one, we must stay pure. We live in a... <laughs> A pretty crazy, impure world, and we must guard our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears. We must guard what we allow into our lives, maintaining our purity by God's grace so that we properly represent Jesus, so that we live the way that God has called us to live, so that we are ready for whatever comes our way. We must, number one, stay pure. Number two, we must stay humble. No matter what we're going through in life, if we stay humble and broken and contrite, we will have the grace of God and the strength of God and the ability to endure what comes our way if we stay pure and if we stay humble. But number three, we must stay close to the Lord. What does that look like? Like no matter what you're going through, we're told in scripture to pray without ceasing, to constantly pray, to constantly talk to the Lord. And so what we're doing and what we're instructed to do in scripture is to constantly invite God into our scenarios and into our circumstances and into our problems and our decisions and our lives. We're staying close to the Lord by constantly ushering him in. Lord, I need help with this. God, I don't know what to do with this. God, I think I know what to do here, but I don't want to miss it. So Lord, by your grace, would you just stay close to me and bring course corrections whenever I need course corrections. Like, I don't want to I don't want to step outside of your plans and purposes. So Lord, I just want to stay close to you. And so we stay close to the Lord just by praying and just keep continually inviting him into our lives and relationships and circumstances and difficulties and problems and all of the above. And then we just continue to avail ourselves to the word of God, the instruction that God has given to us in the 66 books of the Bible, these pages of scripture that are meant to inform us to inform our understanding about this life, inform our understanding about how to live this life, inform our understanding about every arena of this life. And so we stay close to the Lord by praying without ceasing. I woke up this morning at 4.30 in the morning because I had this, this dream that was just like, it was like spiritual battle, uh, spiritual stuff in my dream. And so there was this group of people that I was kind of debating and having conversation with about spiritual things. And I just... I woke up so stirred by it all. I was like, Lord, what is going on? And so I just began to pray. I just, okay, Lord, I don't know what is going on or why I got woken up this way, but I just invite you into it. Just began to pray for the people who were in my dream because I know 
the people, for the most part, everybody in my dream. And so I just began to pray and intercede for those people in my dream. And so at 4.30, I get waking up. And so, Lord, I'm just welcoming you into this moment. I need your help. I want to stay close to you. I want to hear from you. I want to know what it is that you're doing in this very moment. And so we say pure and humble and close to the Lord. And then we say dependent on the Lord. We've kind of been talking about like dependent, like, like we don't move forward in life without clarity, understanding that we are utterly dependent in the best, most wonderful way. We've got the best person in the world who will lead us and be Lord of our lives. And if we'll just say, Lord, I'm dependent on you in this relationship with my finances, with my job, with everything in my life, I am leaning fully on you. People say, oh, religion is just a crutch. Man, I think it's a dang wheelchair, man. I just want to get in that thing and just let God be God and lead and direct me wherever he wants to direct me in my life. Like, I, I don't want to have any strength in my own ability. I just want to be fully dependent on the Lord. It's in those in that place and in those moments that we just find such grace and glory in the midst of every circumstance in our lives. When we just say, God, I can't, but I know you can. I don't understand, but Lord, I know you do. I don't know what's going on, Lord, but I know that you're not perplexed by this thing. And I'm just, I'm just saying, Lord, I'm all dependent on you. And even when I think I might have the right answer, I'm still like, Lord, Please protect me because I think, <laughs> and when I start thinking, I get myself into trouble. And so, Lord, I even in my thinking, I might have it figured out. I'm still dependent on you. And number five, we must live with a healthy expectation of his return. We must live with a healthy expectation of his return. Some people say, well, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Listen, we should be so heavenly minded that we're incredibly productive and fruitful in this life, knowing that Jesus is going to come and that he's victorious and he's going to take us home. And while we are here, we still have an opportunity to be useful and fruitful in the kingdom of God. And so we should be, while we're thinking and while we're hoping and while we're excited about the return of Christ, we should be mindful of the people in our life so that we can be praying for them and loving on them and leading them to Jesus and discipling them and doing all of the stuff that God has called us to do. We want to be living ready. Why? Because we serve the eternal King of Kings and he will be back. <laughs> Verse 8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then John gets a vision of the Son of Man in verse 9. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation. Now, he's not talking about the great tribulation. He's just talking about life. Like as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are tribulation trials, difficulty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance. So John understood, right? Like there's tribulation and how am I going to survive it and thrive? Patient endurance. This is the, the life of a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation of the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account. Why was he there? On account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's exiled because he was doing the work of Jesus. And now that he's exiled, what is he continuing to do? <laughs> he's continuing to do the work of Jesus. Why? Because he kept himself pure and humble and close to God and dependent on God and just knowing that one day God was going to make it all right. And so because he kept the right perspective, he remained useful all the days of his life. They couldn't kill him. <laughs> they could not kill him. They put him in a vat of oil, boiled him. He would not die. Why? Because he still had purpose. God's like, you can come home when you're done. I don't care if they boil you with oil and set you on fire. You are not done until I say you're done. And that's a word for you as well. You are not done until God says you are done. I talked with a gal last week, and she's had a, a heart procedure, and she came out okay. And she said, I may never go through that again, but I just may want to go home and be with the Lord. I said, you had better make sure you're checking in with the Lord before you make that kind of plan. Because if you're still here, God's got purpose. you got pulse purpose. So don't be just making decisions based on your idea that you want to go to be with Jesus. Like Paul said the same thing. It's better for me if I go, but it's better for you if I stay. Right? That's true in your life as well. It's, sure, it's better if we go. <laughs> new body, new experiences, new life, great, no more sin and suffering and temptation. It's going to be glorious when it's right. But in the meantime, you've got an assignment. You've got an assignment. So Lord, in the meantime, I'm exiled to this island. I'm dealing with all kinds of stuff, physically, spiritually, whatever. And it feels like exile. It feels like I've been put on the back shelf and left alone. But I know and I'm deciding to believe <laughs> that you are not done with me, Lord. And so I will get up and be faithful to do what you've called me to do. I will stay pure by the grace of God. I will stay humble by the grace of God. I will stay close to you by the grace of God. I will stay dependent on you. And I will be so excited <laughs> when you return. Man, when I see Jesus, or when I come with, whenever, whenever things unfold, and the last thing I want to be is like, oh, oh, that was bad timing. <laughs> right? If Jesus is coming, dude, it's a good thing. It's a good timing. So instead of being like, oh, I want to be like, yeah, finally, right? Like, I've been waiting my whole life for this, right? Uh, we picked up our my brother and sister-in-law from the airport yesterday and they're coming out from the east coast to visit family and they've got this brand new grand girl grand girl grand boy i don't know what they got they got grandkids here and <laughs> it's a brave new world and i'm always afraid to mention gender anyway so they so they get this call and the grandkids are just so excited to see them. It's like, when are, was it Nanny and Papa? They got all these weird names. When are Nanny and Papa gonna be here? It's that kind of perspective. It's like, when is Jesus gonna show up? Like, I know he's in close proximity. When is he going to get here? That's how we need to live our lives. Listen, John understood that suffering, that tribulation and patient endurance are required for followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he wouldn't let any of that stuff discourage his 
obedience and his faithfulness. John wrote as he himself had been banished to the island of Patmos for his proclamation of the gospel. So don't be surprised if you're in prison someday for the proclamation of the gospel. Our friends, our brothers and sisters in Canada are getting arrested. Pastors are getting arrested in Canada for the proclamation of the gospel. I talked to a pastor friend of mine up in British Columbia, and he's like, you need, you need to be praying for the church in Canada. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, like he, he's pastoring and trying to shepherd in a crazy place, it's, I think it's worse than this. I think it's, it's worse than the U.S. Everybody's listening, so you know. So, just kidding. So, verse 10. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. What does it mean to be in the Spirit on the Lord's Day? I think John was like, Lord, what do you, have you ever prayed like a kind of a sloppy, ugly, beautiful prayer where you're like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I just want to be in the fat middle of it. I just want what you want. I don't care what it looks like. I just want to be in the fat middle of it, Lord. I want to be doing what you've called me to do, saying the stuff that you've called me to say. I want to just be, I think that's what it means to be in the spirit, like to be in full agreement with the spirit of God and the plans of God and the purpose of God. And so John was here on the island in a place where he should have been in the natural discouraged. I talked to a friend of mine um, this week, and he and his wife are both going through it. Just hard, hard physical stuff and like under death type stuff. And I just wanted him to like have a human reaction, a human response to what he was going through, and he just refused. <laughs> I'm trying to bait him even, like, hey, don't you feel bad about this? You know, he's like, listen. Everybody's going through hard stuff. Listen, God will be faithful. He just flat refused to get discouraged about his circumstance, and he just continued to give God the glory no matter what was going on in his life. Why? Because he's got a kingdom perspective, an eternal perspective. And so, John, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, what saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and Thyatira and to Sardis and Philadelphia and Laodicea. Then I turned. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven gold lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, <laughs> like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead, <laughs> like a dead man. Did you guys just read? Did you just hear what I read? Can you imagine seeing Jesus in all of that glory? Throughout the scripture in the Old and the New Testament, every time a human being saw an angel, they fell like dead people, right? So imagine seeing Jesus, the king, in that kind of glory. I fell 
at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying, fear not. (laughs) I am the first and the last. Like I have seen it all from the beginning to the end. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So the stars are the angels of the seven churches. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but man, I hope and pray that we've got an assigned angel to our assembly of believers here at Harvest Church. And I'm not talking like a little cherub, like a little fat baby looking angel thing that you see in the garden. Like I'm not interested in that kind of angel. I want to see a manly angel. I want to see like a warrior angel, like buffer than me even. I mean, if that's possible, right? Like a dude who is ready for battle, right? Like a dude's ready for battle on our behalf. And so, Lord, I don't know if that's something that we can ask for, but man, please, we're asking in Jesus' name. The angels were assigned to these seven churches, and so i got to believe we've got to have an angel here. And so I'm, I'm praying that the Lord would dispatch what we need so that we can stand firm as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't want a little fat cherub. I just don't. <laughs> a little tiny baby angel. I want a big, manly angel. A what? A lobeless one. A lobeless one. You were paying attention last week. I like it. So the seven gold lampstands are the seven churches, and it makes sense because we are called to be light, pointing people to the light of the world. So we have this profound opportunity to be light in this place, in this dark world, pointing people to Jesus, who is the light of the world the world. Next week we will begin one by one going through the seven churches. And with that let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to invite the worship team forward. We're going to pray and we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you Lord that you are so faithful to give us what we need in this life and for this life. And I pray Lord that as we get a glimpse of your glory and a glimpse of your purpose, Lord, that we would be all about it, that we would jump in with both feet. And where we've been hesitant or fearful or anxious, God, I pray that that would be washed away by the vision of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, that we would be bold in Jesus' name, that we would keep ourselves pure, that we would stay humble, God, that we would stay close to you, dependent on you, and have a healthy expectation of the return of Christ. Lord, work in our hearts. Change our minds where they need to be changed. God, help us to be, for some of us, we just need to get kind of born again, again, Lord God, renewed in our faith, excited about you, Jesus. So help us, we, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.